This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, John Carlson will join us with a look at real estate around Metro Vancouver and how you can save money when you decide to sell your home with the pros at 1% Realty. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're watching this week. Now that Black Friday is history, we're right into the big shopping season, and the Retail Council of Canada has the numbers per person for Canadian holiday spending across the country. Country, and here we go, west to east. British Columbia, 688. Alberta, 622. Saskatchewan and Manitoba, $611 per person. Ontario, 805. Quebec is the lowest at 458. And Atlantic Canada, the highest at $813 per person for holiday spending. Also, according to the survey, 65% of Canadians have a firm budget for holiday spending. 28% of whom will end up spending more money than they planned. Canadians overall anticipate food, alcohol, and sweets intended for holiday parties and entertaining take up the largest share of their budget, followed by clothing and toys. And 69% of us have already started our shopping by the end of November. Not me. Not yet. Well, the Grocery Experience National Survey Report is out from Dalhousie University in Halifax. Who knew there was even one of those things? And here's what we've learned this year. Consumer demand is becoming more fragmented with the average Canadian shopper visiting 2.3 grocery stores regularly. The shopper visits a grocery store 5.43 times a month. That's about 1.3 times a week. And the shopper spends 32 minutes per visit. Most Canadians spend more than 20 minutes on each visit. Now compare this to American consumers who shop 24% more often than Canadians. And Americans spend 43 minutes on average, which is 30% more time than Canadians. It appears we Canadians are shopping more in stores, visiting the same stores less frequently, and spending less time for visit. Almost half of us don't intend to purchase food online, but more than a third of us are thinking about it. One reason why most grocers have been recently moving to an aggressive e-commerce strategy. Groceries online becoming pretty pro forma at most stores chains across the country. The Canadian landscape is also shifting with the advent of meal kits, which typically come from subscription services that deliver the fresh components of a meal right to your door. Almost 60% of urban Canadians are either subscribing to a meal kit or thinking about it. Another significant finding is that 66% of us say we have used self-checkouts and these are becoming increasingly more popular. Younger Canadians prefer to shop at food stores where they know people. While urban residents might like to know who owns the store, Canadians in general aren't concerned about store ownership. In terms of customer service, however, 82% of us believe it is important to be able to ask for help when you're shopping for groceries. Word from ICBC, it's once again warning us drivers to take caution in mall parking lots and points last year where approximately 150,000 crashes occurred 
in mall parking lots. And that resulted, by the way, in 5,400 injuries. ICBC says the majority of mall parking lot crashes occur in December on Fridays and Saturdays. Quote, although some mistakenly believe that driving in parking lots is safer due to lower travel speeds, drivers need to continue practicing their safe driving habits even when traveling in parking lots, says ICBC. Parking lots present drivers with unique challenges such as increased congestion and, of course, heavy pedestrian activity. The holiday season could add a layer of distraction with people more apt to be preoccupied with their shopping list or finding a parking spot. So ICBC has once again its annual set of tips for staying safe in parking lots through the holiday season, and here we go. Starting with... No surprise here, stay off your phone. It's still illegal if you're driving, even in a parking lot. Travel in appropriate lanes. Back into a parking stall so your car is facing outwards. Park further away to avoid high traffic areas. Slow down. Be alert. Apply a bit of holiday cheer. Be courteous and have a bit more patience. That last one can be difficult when someone grabs the parking spot you've been waiting for with your signal on and everything. But there's the test for you. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have even more for you later in the hour, but coming right up in just a few moments is John Carlson with a fresh update on lower mainland real estate and lots more on the 1% Realty Story. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you're with CKNW. Sterling Fox with you this Saturday afternoon, joined in studio for the hour by John Carlson from 1% Realty. John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, I hasten to add. Hi, John. Good to be here. Thanks, Sterling. It's good to have you with us. Now, in many, many previous visits, you've described the cycle of the real estate uh, year. And spring, for anybody in the real estate business, is the peak, the busiest time of the year. How about December, January? Is it the opposite, John? Are we in the quiet? quietest time of the year right now? Traditionally, yes. I'd say that things slow down in December and January for obvious reasons, weather, holidays, you know, uh, personal vacations, all that sort of stuff. Sure. But sure, spring is the time that everybody seems to kind of get the idea that, hey, if I'm selling, the, the tulips are popping and people are back in the market, the grass is green, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, spring is traditionally a very strong market. But there are people who have sold their homes in October and November mm-hmm. who are looking to buy in December and January. And Quite frankly, I've done deals in the past on Christmas Eve of all times, uh, New Year's Day. Uh, so, you know, the market does carry on. But, yeah, I think if you're entering the market in November or December or January, you want to come up with a strategy and make sure that it meets the needs that, that you have in terms of why you're selling and what, you know, what your timetable might be. I was thinking of those who, for, for, for example, make a New Year's resolution. By George, this year, we're going to get it done. We're going to execute the game plan. We're going to get that for sale sign tapped into the front line and get on with it. Do you have, do people come to you in January going, okay, it's it, it's time, we're going? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all year round, I get calls from people who are thinking of selling. I meet them and we talk about their their plans. We talk about agency and I explain how I might represent them, of course, first. But then we uh, sometimes come up with a strategy and sometimes that strategy is waiting till spring. Maybe the house needs a coat of paint and sure. uh, it's uh, it's a little too wet for that. And uh, Or maybe, you know, again, personal reasons that, that the, the winter doesn't quite make sense. But other times I run into people who say... You know, now's the time for us. I mean, we want to make our move. Maybe we're, uh, maybe it's a job promotion across, across the country, mm-hmm. or, or maybe they want to be in at a certain time to see their family. So again, it comes down to 
what people's timetable. I always tell people this. The market does what the market does, uh, but you have to decide how and when you want to be involved in the market. So if you want to sell now, these are the kind of facts that and factors that you want to consider. But if you want to wait till spring, this is the likely maybe uh, scenario if you did that. Of course, there's no crystal ball, but um, I think people's personal timing, their personal situation is the most important thing. And within that, you want to look at the market that you're operating in and make a good decision how to go forward in terms of pricing, marketing, and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Well, let's take a look at our market, the lower mainland, Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. This is your turf. Now, let's talk about the changes that have gone on in, in, in our area, our little corner of Canada in the past, say, even six months, because we've had bank rate in, in, increases uh, yes. on the interest rates. Therefore, mortgages have gone up. We've got new rules from both the city of Vancouver the province of British Columbia with respect to new taxes and assessments on vacant properties and various other manipulations of the real estate market, quite deliberate manipulations of the real estate market by the provincial government determined, their words, to calm it down. So here we are, coming close to the end of the third quarter or fourth quarter now. How has how's, how's that impacted the market? They said they wanted to quiet it down. Have, have they succeeded to any extent? I think they have. And you're absolutely right that the, uh, the, the federal government, to some extent, and the provincial government is holding all the levers. They have some control over, you know, what happens economically in the province and with interest rates and that sort of thing. So when I look at the uh, the federal government's decision to introduce the stress test, mm-hmm. meaning it's a little harder to qualify because you have to have a little buffer zone in there, so you're not at the very lowest rate possible, I think that's a great idea for the overall health of the, you know, the long-term health of our real estate industry. So sure. people maybe don't get too uh, extended and they have a, a backup plan if the market does sag a little bit. And then, as you said, the provincial government has introduced some measures and these measures are taking effect. And I think they're most visible in the number of sales that are happening. I think the real estate board is down somewhere around 40% this year in overall sales, Greater Vancouver, compared to the, the peaks. Sure. And I think that has to do with, number one, some buyers are have, maybe don't have as much uh, money to borrow. But really, I think it also has to do with a confidence level where, you know, there's maybe two kinds of buyers. There's the comparison shoppers who maybe need to sell for whatever reason, and they get a mortgage, and they just pre-approval and they look for the best property they can find and afford. Sure. But the discretionary buyers who maybe don't have to sell now, investors or some downsizers, maybe they're waiting to see what happens. And I think that pulls a lot of the potential buyers out of the game. And what we've seen as a result is inventories have started to build up to what, 10 year highs, I think the last, last thing I read. So from a buyer's point of view, there's more to look at from a seller's point of view. Uh, you know, there's more competition. And with that in mind, if the market is sagging a bit, a a seller wants to look at that and say, hey, is it in my best interest to wait and see what happens down the road? Or is it in my best interest to meet the market now and sell? So again, all kinds of factors go into it, but uh, it comes down to a personal decision. Right. And you've used the word strategy at least a half a dozen times since our conversation began a few short minutes ago. And I need to tell our listeners that John Carlson is a member of the President's Club. He is uh, in the top 1% of all realtors in Metro Vancouver and was last year and has been a member of this club in previous years as well. He knows what he's doing and does an awful lot of volume business. So with that in mind and your years of experience, 
experience and the degree of activity you constantly maintain. Let's talk strategy for a couple of minutes, Mr. Carlson, because it is a different time. You've just outlined a few things that are changed in the marketplace. In just the past few months, we've gone through some changes. So you're talking about those buyers who aren't in, in an urgent need to sell. I don't have to move because I got a promotion. I got to go to Toronto. Right. But there's a game plan afoot. You know, there's. we just heard from Sherry McMillan in the last hour talking about planning, long-term planning, yes. protecting and managing all that stuff you worked all your life for. And a house, generally speaking for most of us, is the most obvious asset that we want to do something with in terms of our game plan. Right. So when people call you up now, they hear you here on CKNW, and they call you up and go, geez, is it time? Because we have this game plan that it should be time for us, but now with all this weird stuff going on, we're not sure anymore. What do you tell them? Well, it, it, it depends on them and their situation. First step for me is to listen to what they have to say and find out really what their objectives are. But maybe the best thing I can do is just give you an example. Okay. I, I met people earlier this month, and I've got a new listing with them very recently. Uh, these people uh, are at a stage where it's time to downsize. The kids have gone, left the house. They've got a, a relatively big lot and a, a nice full-size house. And like a lot of people, it probably makes sense for them to uh, downsize both financially and with the house. Uh, uh, retirement age, and, and I remember he said to me, you know, John, you know, I've retired now and there's a certain amount of time that I feel comfortable. Well, I'll be healthy and wanting to travel and mm -hmm. do all those sorts of things. Enjoy payback time. Exactly. Right. And, uh, you know, when they looked at what they paid for the house many years ago, and then we looked at kind of what the evaluation suggested they'd probably sell for if they were on the market today, they took a look at that and said, you know, that's a darn good profit. Right. And why would I wait to see if the market goes up anymore or down anymore? in the spring when I can accomplish what I want now, they'll be buying again a smaller property. Mm -hmm. And those properties have adjusted a little bit as well. But this is a perfect example where I give a client information and let them make a decision. And they came back to me and said, you know what? For us, the most important thing is getting this accomplished so we can get on with our retirement. Interesting. So do they know already the downsizing? Is that going to be going from a house with on a nice lot in the suburbs to perhaps a condo or something of much lower maintenance? I think so. Yeah. Maybe a townhouse might be a little okay. bit, you know, where they can travel and leave it. Uh, where it is and, mm -hmm. and not have to worry about cutting the grass or, or you know, heating a big house that they don't need anymore. So this is just one example of where a situation, it made, it made sense for these people to, to hit the market now. The other interesting thing about the market now is even though statistically we've been a little bit lower in terms of sales volume, I'm finding a bit of a jump happening in November in terms of buyers having a little bit more urgency. And I think that might have to do with the interest rate hike because when a, when a, when a potential buyer gets a, a lender to give them a, 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 a pre-qualification, there's a time limit on sure that. Sure there is, yeah. And if they don't buy and complete within that time limit, they're suddenly subject to the newer rates, which are going up. Right. So these are factors that can also create little bits of surges in the market. And I found the market so far in November has been pretty pretty good and busy for me. Interesting stuff. 604-612-0080 is John Carlson's phone number. I'll repeat that several times uh, throughout the, uh, the the hour here. And of course, all the information to contact Mr. Carlson is available on his website, which is johnny1percent.com or .ca. Take your pick, johnny1percent.ca. And right there on the top right corner is the phone number, 604-612-0080. Days on market. It used to be minutes on market. 
market a couple of years ago was frantic time. And, and you listed your house. There was an instant parade on the street in front of it with all sorts of curious buyers and a lineup and, and blind bids and all sorts of bizarre, bizarre happenings. Yes. That's all gone. So when you uh, talk with these, uh, a new client, for example, the people that you just sat down with the other day, is part of your conversation back to strategy, John, uh, telling people that it's not going to sell in 15 minutes. It may take 15 days or even 15 weeks. Well, yes, but it may sell very quickly as well. But and I'm, I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. But yeah, my part of my job is to give people, you know, the proper expectations. And of course, it comes down to pricing as well. If you want to price on the higher end of the spectrum, you should probably be prepared to be a little bit more patient, maybe. Right. Maybe you've got a unique property and it's only suitable for a certain number of buyers. And so you take your time. Uh, or if you price sharper, you're probably going to get more activity. And the thing about the market right now is because the market has sagged a bit and, you know, Average consumers are out there reading the newspaper and, and, and seeing them, watching the news and seeing, hey, the numbers are down, the prices are down a little bit. They want to be careful. They right. don't want to overpay. So they tend to be selective. And what I find is it's kind of like the cream of the crop, that top 10% of the market in terms of value proposition, what you're offering and what your price uh, is. That segment of the market is moving pretty good. But if you start dropping yourself down in the value proposition ladder to where you know, there's five or six better listings than you in your segment, and they've been on the market 30 or 60 days, and right. they haven't sold, and, and you want a price there or a little bit above, well, then you're in the same boat as all of those. And, you know, you can see what happens that way. So again, listening to the client, finding out what their needs are. Do they want to sell quickly? Do they need to sell quickly? Do they want to test the market? Do they have an individual property that maybe it doesn't make any sense to, to be in such a hurry? All those things kind of, kind of go in. But to address one thing you mentioned, uh, the multiple offers are not dead. There are still buyers out there. I believe you, sure. They're on the just, right property. On the right property. Sure, yeah. Case in point, um, uh, property in Maple Ridge, a house on a big lot, original owner, very good condition, uh, well-maintained, hit the market at six seventy seven five. My clients and I, who are first-time buyers, went out to take a look at it the very first day it was on the market. They asked me what I thought, and I'd been telling them, you know, hey, if you find a great property at the great price, don't be afraid to jump at it. But on the other hand, don't be in a hurry because in this market, you're going to find what you want. Well, when we saw this house, we all looked at each other and said, wow, this is a great deal. This is a great house. Let's rush back to my office and write an offer. Call the listing agent. Hey, John, we just got another offer in. This was the very first day. Right. It was sold by power of attorney. So it had to be, uh, the offers had to go to Ontario and they'd be presented the next day. Well, by the next morning, we were one of six offers. The house had been on the market two days. Why? Wow. Because it was priced. This is not my listing. This was another agent's listing. But it was priced extremely well. So it ended up going over list price. I got a call from the other agent saying, uh, you know, hey, you're not the highest bid, but we happened to include a, a cover letter with our offer that explained that we had first-time buyers with a young child who lived in the area. She went to the elementary school oh. just around the way. Okay. We went in very clean, you know, inspection and financing only with tight dates, and we wanted to make our offer attractive. And I think based on what the other agent told me that us personalizing our offer made the daughter with power of attorney and back in Ontario give us real consideration. So we were given the chance to kind of be the ones that came up to it. So long story short, six offers on a property in this market, you can still get a lot of activity if you want to price well. And I'm happy to say that my clients uh, won that and we're about to remove conditions. Isn't that nice? Well, congratulations on that. And as we were just talking about, it's all about strategy and strategy in a, in a really changing landscape marketplace is critical. So all the more reason 
to sit down and make your real estate decisions, planning your next big move, whether it's buying or selling, with an experienced professional, someone who's been around the block more than a few times and in the business more than a couple of decades, and who knows, who's seen the highs and the lows of the business over the years, and who knows how to uh, devise a strategy that's going to work for you and make your house attractive to whoever wants to buy it. Lots more with John Carlson from 1% Realty and Johnny1percent.com after the news. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this soggy Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox. John Carlson from 1% Realty and Johnny1percent.com in studio with me talking real estate this afternoon. Let me quote from Johnny1percent.com. The primary reason typical commission rolls have remained the same, and that, of course, talks about 7% of the first 100000 of the sale price and 2.5% of the balance. The reason that these rates have remained the same is that so many sellers have agreed to pay these rates. You might have paid these rates in in the past as well. But why pay more than you have to? And that, Mr. Carlson, brings us to the nuts and bolts of the 1% realty story. And it's all about 1%. That's right. And with a lower commission rate paid to the agent, it is not unusual for people to go, well, if I'm paying less I'm probably going to get less. I'm probably going to get bare bones. So explain how you, the veteran, multi-decade real estate professional, managed to survive on 1%. Great question. I I love that question because I get it all the time. Sure. And, uh, you know, first thing I'll say is there are no set commission rates. I often compare it against the uh, 7% of the first hundred, two and a half of the balance, because that's the prevailing rate. Sure, yeah. But, of course, new developments, foreclosures, all kinds of different situations where there could be less commission than that, and some people may charge more commission than that. That's fine. Uh, But what we offer at 1% Realty is uh, a better commission rate by far than the majority of our competition. I started out, you know, my first 13 or 14 years in the business were with these other more traditional uh, commission rate companies. Mm -hmm. And that's where I cut my teeth and learned the business. And then in 2010, I talked to Ian Bailey, who is the broker who started the company. It's now nationwide, 1% Realty. So if you're thinking of selling anywhere, give me a call and maybe I can put you in touch with a good 1% Realtor. Uh, but I'd made a business decision. I thought, you know, consumers, they don't want to pay these rates. You hear all the time, oh, realtors are making too much money. They right. do a six-month correspondence course. They buy a Mercedes-Benz, and they go out there and put a sign on the yard and wait for the phone to ring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not really true. But it is true that that people selling homes are sometimes questioning, gee, why would I pay twenty five, thirty five, forty thousand dollars $40,000 in commission, especially when things were selling quickly? And I'm here to tell people on the Vancouver Consumer Show that as consumers, you have the power. You get to decide what you want to offer in terms of commission. So commission is one thing. And and I'll let you quote from my website about how those rates work. But I generally save my clients several thousand, if not more dollars on the typical transaction compared to what other agents are are quoting them. Well, sure. Let me just run one set of numbers. And there's a a grid right about uh, halfway down the home page at uh, johnny1percent.com. And it says, Savings You'll Enjoy is the the title of this particular portion of the page. And let's take a typical, very typical Vancouver uh, property selling number of a million bucks. Sure. You know, 10 years ago, that was fantasy land. Nowadays, it's pretty standard stuff around Metro Vancouver. So a one, the uh, most other brokers on a one, on $1 million property will charge the seller $29,500. A 1% realty agent like John Carlson will charge you on the same $1 million property $10,950 for a net saving to you, the seller, of 
18550 bucks that you get right. to keep and do exactly as you please with for what turns out to be the exact same quality of service that the other more expensive brokers would have, would have charged you. Well, I always shoot for a better quality of service, quite frankly, but um, you're absolutely right. Uh, those are often tax-free numbers that people keep in their pocket, and, and I get the question, John, how can you do this? That's what I think makes some people a little skeptical. Sure. And I will say that, uh, you know, maybe I might average 60 transactions a year, just to pick a, a round number, whereas maybe the average agent typically might do four or five mm-hmm. or something like that. So, uh, you know, I do quite well in that regard. And uh, so I don't have to cut corners. And when I go in and talk to people, I let them know, hey, I'm full service. I'm going to do the open house. I'm going to do the advertising. I'm going to help you every step of the way in terms of showings, negotiating offers, right through to completion. So I knew that people wanted better value, but they didn't want less service and, or heaven forbid, a poor agent. Because mm-hmm. I would suggest this, hey, you want to save money, you want a good agent, makes perfect sense. Sure. But if the agent is not a good agent who can't help you negotiate, who can't help you position properly, can't give you good advice through the process, you're probably still throwing money away because you might not sell or you might sell for a figure that was less than your optimal. So me, Johnny, 1%, my goal, and this is what I, this is what I excel at, is I give people the full package And, you know, 22 years experience, hundreds and hundreds of sales under my belt. I'm very client focused. So I give the advice that the client needs. And at the same time, I save him money. So you don't compromise when you when you list with list your house with me or 1% realty. I'm a good agent. I give good service and the results are good. Interesting stuff. Well, enough of John telling you about himself and the quality of work he does. Let's hear from a couple of John's clients, beginning with Benny. You ready for uh, Martin's remarks? Let's hear from Martin now. You know, maybe I should pay more attention to things like the commission, but uh, that's not why I choose to work with John. It's just an added bonus. Uh, I choose to work with John because he's really good at what he does, and and we've had terrific results. The fact that the commissions are less is just a, a nice sort of cherry on top of the cake. I mean, we've gotten tremendous service uh, all the way through, and uh, it's not just John. I mean, his wife, Kamiko, who works with him and uh, does superb work. Um, she's really good at, at you know, the, the staging of the home for pictures and getting really good quality pictures up that feature, you know, the listings in the best possible way. Um, and, you know, their, their, their lives revolve around the work that they do for their clients. We've, we've worked with John three times, and um, not only have we got quality service, uh, we've sold at the price that we need to sell at each time. And I know some people are worried that if they list that way, well, you know, if the fees are less, are other realtors going to show, show the house? It's not the realtors on the other side that decide what houses their clients want to see. It's the clients. And if a client wants to buy a house, whether it's listed with, you know, 1% realty, you know, through John Carlson or any other firm, it's the realtor's obligation and responsibility to make that transaction happen. And it's never been an issue. I mean, uh, you know, so why would you not want to get that good service and support and save that money? It's never gotten in the way of any of our transactions happening. They've all gone through extremely smoothly. Well, there's a satisfied client for you. Now, now you said Martin mentioned that he'd worked with you in the past as well. But yes. des- describe the most recent uh, uh, encounter with Martin and his property. 
Well, I'm going to get a little personal here. Marty, Kim, thank you. You guys are awesome. Um, I've worked with them three times on a sale and the two purchases in between. I'm kind of heartbroken because great people who I like to see on a regular basis and they'll be moving out of province. But we just had conditions removed on their sale. House in Maple Ridge, kind of in that 8 to 850 range. And, uh, you know, last night it was such a pleasure to shake their hands again and say, thanks for working with me. Uh, Marty joked a little bit with me. He says, hey, you never know. We might come back to BC. This might not be the last time. And I said, well, I certainly hope so. But uh, what a great family to work with. Their son, Mason. Uh, I'm going to miss him quite a bit. And again, worked with him many times. And that's one of the nicest testimonials I've, I've heard in a long time. And Marty, thanks for saying that. I hope that people that are listening can uh, maybe check out my website, give me a call, because I'd like to provide the same level of service to you and make you just as happy as I've made them in the past. So, And, and Martin, Martin's point was he enjoyed the savings, no question about that. But what he was most adamant about, John, was the, the quality and the degree of service. That was what pleased him. Clearly, saving money pleases us all. But getting good service and timely uh, results uh, based on a decent strategy to begin with He's a happy guy, and the fact that he netted a few extra dollars to keep in his pocket to take to Ontario with him, not a bad thing at all. Right. I, I love uh, when people save money, and but I'm really proud, actually, when they tell me that it's it's not the money, it's the service. And I think Marty said that it's the cherry on top. Sure. So, you know, that makes me feel really good because my job is to help people accomplish one of the most important tasks that they're going to they're gonna attempt to accomplish, maybe in their lives. And it's no small matter. So, uh, again, you, you have to be client-focused. You have to listen to the client. You have to give them the best advice and let them make decisions and help them all the way along the way. So for somebody I've worked with so many times, it's great to hear that uh, as a testimony. And I thank you, Marty and Kim, and I'm going to miss you when you leave town. Interesting stuff. Now, you mentioned a previous conversation that you had had with a couple who were on the cusp of retirement. They were looking to move on and execute their game plan sure. uh, and, and uh, sell the house and downsize. That was, that was the, the strategy that they wanted you to work with. The point that I'm trying to get to with that conversation is it began because they heard you on CKNW on Vancouver Consumer and they're, uh, thank you both, uh, loyal NW listeners who decided he sounds like a pretty decent fellow. We should probably give him a call since we want to execute the game (laughs) plan and get things underway. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's that's why I'm here. And uh, of course, it's good for my own business. It's good for my referral network and all those things. But really, I meet a lot of people from all over the the, the greater Vancouver, and I'm able to give good advice. And it, it does feel good to do a lot of transactions and, and hear those people say, hey, this wasn't just a transaction. We're very happy. And I find that sometimes, as you mention often, Sterling, that there's that thought, gee, you know, 1% realty. Is this like buying your shoes at the shoe warehouse? Yeah, right, right. Am I going to get like a plastic sole on my shoe? Mm-hmm. Or is this, you know... And all I'm going to say to people is there are uh, a wide range of, in any, in any industry, uh, there's a wide range of, of, of abilities. And in real estate, it's no different. Some agents are more experienced or just more on the ball or maybe, you know, have a little more going for them. They're able to do a better job than others for various reasons. Sure. So commission should probably never be your first thing but, uh, to consider. But again, to, to get both of those, I think, is, is really key. Interesting. Let's uh, get a word from one more client here this afternoon. And this time around, we're going to hear from Martin. I'm sorry, Dave is, uh, is up next. Martin is, is the happy guy we just heard from. It's Dave's turn. Ben, let's roll Dave. I would say it's exactly the same service as you get with a higher-priced realtor, maybe even better, because I've used uh, a higher-priced realtor. And like I used one of the top realtors in Maple Ridge. I won't say any names. And uh, I did not... I, I heard from him when my house was sold, where's my money, kind of thing, you know. So 
so with John, he was there doing open houses and he he was phoning me and keeping me updated and doing the legwork, you know. There's uh, Dave. Dave, another happy client. Now tell us about Dave. What kind of property has he got? Dave. Yeah, Dave, uh, this is a house in Maple Ridge again. Similar okay. price range, 800000 kind of range, which is which is pretty active actually in Maple Ridge. I'll bet. A good affordable properties, mm-hmm. good location. I met Dave maybe three years ago when we renovated our house, and uh, he is a painter. In fact, Wojet Painting in Maple Ridge. He does a lot of the new developments and that sort of stuff. He did a great job for us. And uh, when it came time, you know, this is why I'm really honored, and thank you, Dave, for, for saying what you said. And by the way, you did work with one of the top realtors in Maple Ridge this time, too. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, Dave knows all the realtors in town because he, he paints the houses right, and sure. new developments. Of he knows course, everybody yeah. in town. Right. And to choose me, that's a big honor. Mm-hmm. So, to, And to hear him come on the radio and suggest to people that, hey, maybe it was even better than some of the other agents he worked for and he saved some money. I think that's wonderful, Dave. I wish you well. And I, I recommend people check Dave at Wojet Painting out uh, if you're out in uh, that area. And again, it's about quality of service. I mean, everybody likes saving money, John, and, and Lord knows that's enough reason to pick up the phone and, and give you a call at 604-612-0080. In just a few minutes, friends, he's almost done. Uh, but more importantly, the saving money, is, is it's almost like a bonus in terms of the, the quality of service based on a solid strategy and a successful sale. That's what it's all about. It is. It is making the client happy. And, and I think a happy client is a client who has been treated with respect the whole way and has been given good advice. And then when they see the results at the end, they look back and they say, you know what, John had our back. He was looking after us the whole time. And that's my goal. Every time I want to save you money, I want to give you the best possible results on the market. And I want you to be happy enough to send me to your friends. Well, uh, on uh, johnny1percent.com or johnny1percent.ca, you pick one and check out the website. At the bottom of the homepage, you'll find some new listings, uh, featured listings, and then you can see all the listings. There's a video tour that you can do of some of the properties. Uh, any new listings to add what's already available at Johnny 1%? Yeah, first, first of all, this isn't a new listing, but I want to mention an open house Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m., And once again, our thanks to John Carlson from 1% Realty for another informative visit. Next week, Marty Cherich from Broadway Jewelers returns for a special visit, and you'll meet the nice people from Home Instead Senior Care. Time now for Dooley Noted, and this time around, our producer Ben Dooley looks at a new use for old bread, brewery style. Thanks, Sterling. A Vancouver Island craft brewery has come up with a way of keeping tons of best-before bread out of the landfill. Small Block, a brewing company, has released its Rycycle Fresh Hopped IPA. Here's General Manager Morgan Donnelly. I don't think any of us really knew how it was going to turn out. The idea was first brought to the brewers by the Couch and Green community, a volunteer group dedicated to reducing the amount of unsold food from grocery stores that end up being thrown out. As part of its food recovery project, manager Nathan Harbin began collecting the bread, taking it from bakeries to the brewery. You know, we get to broadcast the message of, of food waste to the community while also, you know, providing a really great products like a, like a beer. Small Blocks is currently preparing its second bread brew, a nut brown ale made with predominantly sourdough bread. It will be released on November 30th. 
I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Oh, that's a tasty idea. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. We gave you the average amounts Canadian plan to spend this holiday season, but one item we left out was the rather glaring statistic that 28% of shoppers this Christmas are still paying off debts from, well, last Christmas. This according to the folks at NerdWallet in their new survey. So what to do? The National Credit Counseling Center recommends you prioritize paying down that outstanding balance before racking up even more debt this year. First step to keep things in check, get a handle on your debt. Make a list, including balances and interest rates. That can help you figure out how dire the situation is and the best strategy to pay down the debt. Moves like asking your credit card issuer for a better interest rate or using a low-rate balance transfer could help it make it easier to juggle debt repayment with ongoing expenses, but keep your focus on the debt repayment rather than a license to keep holiday spending big. Then, quote, take your list and start whacking it, says Mary Hunt, creator of EverydayCheapskate.com. Maybe you can forego the custom holiday cards, for example, scale back the holiday party, or pass on the poinsettias. Look to scale back both in terms of whom you buy for and the number of gifts. Check Pinterest for ideas, says Mary. You'd be blown away by what you can do for very little money. Pay with cash where you can, or if you must use a credit card, put your purchases on a single card and then keep the total to what you can afford to pay in full. Consider the total cost of what you're buying, and that would include the financing, says Mary. No, it's not glamorous, but then neither is debt. So take a good long look before you take the shopping plunge. Are you a transit user? If so, you are part of a new ridership record set right here last month. TransLink is touting its latest ridership numbers, saying it set a new record in October. There were 39.65 million boardings on transit last month, covering bus, SkyTrain, HandyDart, CBus, and the West Coast Express. This number beat the standalone record of 39.2 million boardings that happened in February 2010 during the Winter Olympics. The monthly number number was 9.3% increase from October of last year. For buses, ridership jumped over 10%, while on the Expo Millennium Line, ridership went up 7.7%. Canada Line boardings up 7%. In 2017, ridership was over 407 million boardings, which is a 5.7% increase over the year before. And the largest growth of any major city in Canada, and the United States, says TransLink. Could we be on the way to setting even more new records? Sounds like it. We'll keep you posted. Just a few more weeks to go. And that is our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. We appreciate your feedback, and if you have any thoughts or suggestions for the show, please send them along to sterling at cknw.com or tweet us at VanConsumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.